This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Tony Diaz, a Libro Traficante, author of The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. And we're so happy that you're joining us on the Nuestra Palabra multi-platform broadcast. Perhaps you're experiencing it first on social media during a live stream on the Nuestra Palabra Facebook page. Or maybe you're watching the video on one of our allies, such as fox26houston.com or maybe you're listening to the radio show on our original broadcast platform kpft 90.1 fm houston's community station and i have to pause thank all of our listeners who supported us for all these years and remind you that if you can budget a donation to kpft in the name of nuestra palabra latino writers having their say please go to kpft.org or call 713-526-5738 and make a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, so that we can continue this great experiment in freedom of speech. And more than that, as you all know, on this show, we get to broadcast our terms on our terms and come up with great shows with great guests on great topics as we have today. But we can do it in English, Spanish, Spanglish, any way that we want. So please do help us pitch in. And of course, we also have the podcast version, which is available 24-7. Before I tell you more about today's program, I do want to give a big warm welcome to my dear friend, a uh, fantastic writer, fantastic human being, Diana Lopez. Un abrazo grande, Diana. Thank you for Hi. joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. It's always good to be a uh... Yeah, you know, a guest of Nuestra Palabra. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to get to the you know, formal bio, which is on your book jacket, because I want to celebrate the book. I want to get people used to hearing some of those lines that have demonstrated your trajectory. I want them to get familiar with the book. But, you know, Somos Familia, we go way back. How many books is this now? Because I still remember you reading I think it was your first book it at Nuestra Palabra back at Talento Bilingue de Houston. That's exactly right. And that was um, my first book, Sophia Saints. And that would have been like 2001, 2002. So I, it was 20 years ago. Wow. <laughs> and here we are. We're still hanging around. <laughs> Verdad? Como pasa el tiempo? But you know, you know what I love is now that you put it in that perspective, as people watch, I want them to understand that we all have within our grasp a life full of fulfillment, pursuing that which we have always dreamed about and creating something that touches the lives of others. Is that a fair way to describe what you do? <laughs> I love that description. I think that's a great way of describing it, you know, and if uh, I think this this book is like number nine or 10 for me. And if you told me 20 years ago that uh, I had, I had that many stories in me, I, I would have, 
I would have been so happily surprised. But yes, yeah, so it's just wonderful to to feel like I'm coming full circle. You know, my reading at the Talenta Bilingue was one of my first readings. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is fantastic. By the way, we're speeding up on the 25th anniversary of Nuestra Palabra. So we're, we're calling you part of our 25th anniversary celebration. Wonderful. So, <laughs> and I do want to mention one more thing since we're walking down memory lane. Thank you so much for joining us during the Libro Taficata Caravan to Tucson. Mm -hmm. You came with us. You gave a workshop. And I always think you as someone that not only is pursuing the highest level of art, the highest level of aesthetics, but always remembers her community, a proud Chicana and a great example to all of us. So, Yeah, and well, thank you for putting that together and getting uh, Los Libros Traficantes over there. And uh, I just remember what, what I remember most about that, that um, trip was the high school students and, and just how passionate they were about books and about the Mexican-American Studies program, they were an inspirational to me. I, I agree with you. I think, likewise, it was so powerful to see them defying this terrible attack from the state. And it was really beautiful to get to team up with them, send them flores from the Southwest in Texas, and unite to overturn that, that terrible law, which I'll remind folks, during our lifetime, uh, legislators in Arizona banned Mexican-American studies. However, we all came together, joined our familias in Tucson, Arizona to overturn that terrible law. So yeah. we got a lot to talk about, but I, I don't want to monopolize all your time. I'm going to share you now with, <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the rest of the world. And today we are celebrating your latest book, Los Monstros. So cool. So cool. <laughs> Feliz and The Wailing Woman. Congratulations, such a cool book. I'm gonna tell you. folks about it. And you're also actually, because we don't rest, right? And we keep growing. We're gonna link this, not just to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, not just to all these new ways to broadcast y difundir nuestra cultura, but we're gonna link you to the Latino bookstore in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about how a grant through um, through uh, Congressman Joaquin Castro's office has also allowed us to expand how we deliver books in the community. So all that's coming. And I do want folks to know a little bit more about you. So when they get your book and they see the flap jacket, I want to actually read it so that people will begin to to feel right at home with your book. But I want them too to, to hear this description so that they too can see all the work that you've put in and maybe follow in your steps. Uh, Diana Lopez is the author of the adult novela Sofia Saints, which you just mentioned. You <laughs> first read at Nuestra Palabra, Casi right. And numerous, nine, <laughs> middle grade, well, middle grade book novels, including Confetti Girl, fun book. That was such a fun, fun book. Congratulations. Uh, Nothing Up My Sleeve, and Lucky Luna, her debut picture book, Sing With Me, the story of Selena Quintanilla, is available in English and Spanish. She also wrote the novel adaptation for the Disney Pixar film, Coco. Awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Diana retired after a 28-year career. Super Hoven. She started teaching super early. She was smart in education at both the middle grade and college levels. But she still enjoys meeting with students when she visits schools to chat about books and writing. She lives in her hometown of Corpus Christi. Shout out to Corpus in Texas. And you can find out so much more about her at dianalopezbooks.com. And again, felicitaciones en tu carrera. Qué, qué bonito que, que has logrado todos esos éxitos. And, <laughs> you know, um, if I remember correctly, Sofia Saints was from the University of Arizona Press. Was that, is that correct? That's right. It's from, Biling uh, from Bilingual Review Press. And they're out of, out of uh, Arizona uh, State University. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But some of these other publishers are, are some of the, um, the larger corporate mm -hmm. publishers. Uh, mention those as well, including this um, one. So my book, Confetti Girl, was published by uh, Little Brown. Uh, Little Brown Books for Young Readers. They published uh, several of my books, and I've had a couple of books with Scholastic. Uh, and then this book is with Coquila Press. Uh, it's an imprint of uh, Penguin Random House. And I love working with Coquila because they really, um, they really are cultivating a really good list of, of books uh, by people of color. And so... It's just wonderful to be part of that family. <laughs> well, this that may be a good way to start because the um, this is a fantastic read. It's a lot of fun. Um, we'll tell people what it's about, but I do want to say up front that the way your publisher lets you run wild with your imagination, it's authentic, so well-written. There's so many layers. Like if, if someone wants to get their... Uh, you know, analytical tools out. They can analyze this in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, super authentic, super fun, and it, it's clear that you had you had a lot of license to write about what you wanted to write about, including a shout out to Houston in the book. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, is that fair to say? Did you feel that sort of liberty? I did, you know, and um, and and it it was really good. You know, most of my books are kind of set in the realistic fiction world, uh, but I was always dreaming about writing a book with some speculative elements, you know. And um, when I had the uh, opportunity to write the novel adaptation of Coco, that gave me a lot of like practice in world building and, you know, working in the, the rules of a magical world. And so uh, I felt, uh, you know, like, okay, now I'm ready to do this book. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I, I imagined a town, Tres Leches Tejas, you know, and I just kind of, it was just, I mean, not just born from my imagination, but, but also from, you know, the neighborhoods and, and the streets that I've loved to drive down, you know. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I had a really good team at Coquila. They, you know, they did let me kind of just run free with my ideas. And then we had chats uh, where they asked some really good questions, you know, that made me think about where I wanted to go with the story. And, and, um, and really, that's what a good um, editing team does. They don't, they don't tell you what to do. They just ask you really good questions that, 
um, make you think and, and kind of dig deep. And so they, they challenged me to do that. <laughs> and uh, I'm very happy with the, with the end result. And I'm just going to ask one more obtuse question. And then we're going to tell everybody what the book is about and all the characters. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think also what's, what's challenging is that, as we'll tell folks in a little bit, you are taking on some classic historias from our cultura. So there, folks have that starting point. Mm-hmm. You still spin a very uh, well-wrought narrative story plot um you know some of some of it's very conventional in that beginning middle end and 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 everything fits in but other things like you say are just so imaginative uh mm-hmm. you know it's the characters their parents um so you kind of had to balance all of that as you create your own world from scratch but we should remind folks not only do you have the experience of all these books you're also trained in this as a would you say that's an accurate way to, to kind of describe some of the, the the worlds you were passing through, some literary worlds that we were passing through to create this fun book? Writers are readers. We, we have everything that we've read. You, you know, when we come to the page to write, we have everything that we've read to thank for our imagination, you know. And so, um, but, you know, writers are also very... Uh, you know, very observant of the world around them. And, and when I was creating this world, I wanted it to really have that South Texas feel to it. You know, I didn't want it to feel like New England and I didn't want it to feel like, you know, the Northwest or something. I wanted it to have a real South Texas feel. And so um, to me, being from here and, and having my childhood here, it is a magical place. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I was inspired a lot or I, I heard a lot of these stories, um, you know, camping and, you know, we do bonfires on the beach and things like that. And, and, um, and so they've kind of been part of my upbringing too. You know, every, I think everybody, every family has their scary stories. <laughs> these are mine. <laughs> This is a really cool update of several of the childhood stories that we heard and were terrified by, including La Llorona. But this is the daughter of La Llorona. Yeah. (laughs) Tell tell folks a little more about about Feliz and some of her friends who are also Chicana, Chicano legacy, (laughs) narrative (laughs) legacies. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, it kind of started with the what if question, you know, La Llorona is known for drowning her children and, and wanting to drown you and and things like that. And I just had a what if question. What if one of her children uh, survived? What would that look like? And, and that's kind of where the story began. And that's where um, my character Felice was, was born out of that what if question. And I thought, you know, her mother is the the wailing woman and, and, but what if Felice is just a really happy kid, <laughs> you know? Um, and so uh, this journey of like 
finding out that your mother is La Llorona and, and is feared by so many, but also she's still your mother and you love her. And, um, you, you know, children, I think regardless of their situation with their parents, uh, have a desire to, you know, know their parents, if they don't know them, meet their parents, if they haven't met them. And so she goes on that journey. Uh, and along the way meets the children of other South Texas uh, legends. She meets Rooster, um, who's the son of the dancing Diablo, which um, many people have heard the story of, of, you know, the girl who sneaks out at night to go dancing and she's dancing with a really handsome man. And, and then she looks down and she notices he has chicken feet and she's dancing with the devil. And, and, uh, and at that moment she disappears, you know, uh, and then she also, Felice also meets a character named Ava, um, who's the daughter of La Lechusa, the owl witch. And so, uh, they have their own parent, uh, baggage to deal with. Uh, but the three of them together become really good friends and, and share in a lot of the adventure. There are a lot of fun adventures. I think the other mm -hmm. thing that you touched on was these are legendary stories, but what I think some of the powerful undertones are that we're controlling the narrative in some way. So here's a, mm -hmm. you know, young, you don't call it Chicana in the book, but I'm gonna call it Chicana, young Chicana <laughs> who is retelling these stories, un unpacking them, unearthing mm -hmm. them yeah. to wrap her head around them because at the end of the day, I mean, we are the children of these stories, so to speak. And we do yeah. want to find out more about our past histories. Um, well, we really are. We are the children of these stories. And I think the, you know, the age group of the characters, you know, they're middle school kids. Um, I think that that's the point in life when, you know, you're, it's middle, it's called middle school because you're in the middle, you're part child, part adult, and the expectations that are on you, you know, uh, are growing. But at the same time, you feel like you're being held back, you know, because you're not quite there yet. And I think a lot of young people, when they're trying to flex their wings and be more independent, but feel restricted by rules and guidelines that their parents give them, they do start to see their parents as these just horrible people. They, you know, it takes us a while sometimes to realize that, um, you know, our parents are doing you know, what they think is best for us. But that idea of this kind of like parent as monster, uh, I think at some point everybody has an experience like that where, you know, we love our parents, but there are those moments where we feel like they are the monsters in our lives. <laughs> and so I'm kind of playing with that too, you know, that concept of, of um, you know, trying to understand where our parents are coming from and, and things like that. So yeah, it's a, the legends are parents, you know, and our parents are the legends. And, and there are so many other layers to this as well, including, you know, what happens if we, if our youth don't know their history, how they have to go find it. And also I, I would say, and, and I, I'll stop going this deep or this far out, um, Right now, there's a lot of discussion about uh, representation, and we just mentioned Nuestra Palabra is 25 years old. I will say that some things have changed in those 25 years, some things have not, but most likely our youth, if they hear about our cultura, if they're just going to get it from corporate media, 
it's going to be a negative portrayal. So what, what happens when you hear these negative portrayals about your cultura and have to go look for the truth? I, I really see that's a powerful undertone, especially like you said, for that, that age group it, mm-hmm. in the middle of wanting to learn, not wanting to hear it, feeling pressure to conform, but wanting to be original. And I think that's also dramatized in the characters, no? No, I, I completely agree. And um, you're, you're hitting on some things that are near and dear to, to my heart because, um, you know, my interest in writing for this age group is really born from my years of teaching, you know, these kids. And I was teaching in the uh, middle school in the 1990s. There, you know, was not at the time uh, that much literature available to them, that much literature that they felt they could connect to. I heard it over and over again. Where are the books about us? Where are the books about us? And it just kind of, um, you know, echoed in my head and I, and gave me a mission. You know, I want to write the books that I felt my students and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. I used to teach at Horace Mann Middle School, which is right there by Woodlawn Lake, not too far from where I'll be in a few weeks. Those were the students. That was the neighborhood that got me motivated to write these stories. And I'm pleased to say that, you know, I've seen in the last like 12, 15 years, just this wonderful, um, you know, uh, bloom of, you know, Latino fiction. Um, There's so many great books out there that are available to our, our students. And I'm just, I'm thrilled that I get to be kind of part of that movement. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of pushback, you know, and a lot of, of um, you know, a, a, a lot of moves to silence our voices, put us on the side, you know, um, take us out of, you know, the, the list of books to read. And, and so it's a constant battle. It just seems to never end. <laughs> and, and on that note, I do want to mention some of the factors keeping books from our youth because as I said earlier, Nuestra Palabra, uh, I found that it 25 years ago. Some things have changed, some things have not. Um, I love that you've mentioned all the voices of writers from our community because one myth, even when I was trying to organize Nuestra Palabra, people would say there's not enough Latino writers, there's not enough mm-hmm. interest. Just that sheer amount of fantastic writers defies that, right? And, and we've always known that that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to put three barriers on the table that are still present and then i'm going to cheer us all up because uh, you're part of the good news you met you gave a shout out to san antonio you are part of the texas author series 2023 at the latino books at the guadalupe cultural arts center so that's we're going to get to that awesome solution but i need people to understand how serious an issue we are facing because we're talking about this now from decades of observation. And I'm going to put, I'm going to mention three of the barriers. We all united to overturn the 2012 ban of Mexican American studies uh, by legislators in Arizona, but there is a new wave of, mm-hmm. of bans and I'm going to call it censorship culture. So there's censorship culture right now that is intimidating librarians and making it harder to get books into our community. Um, the other thing I'm going to add is there are still many book deserts um, 
if you look at all of the Chicano communities in the nation, they are ensconced in book deserts. And the third thing I'm going to mention is that um, there just are not enough Latino bookstores in the nation as well. Um, the, the Latino bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, I'm, I'm very proud to be the literary curator. That's one of the few in Texas. I don't want to say it's the only one. And, and here's why. I don't want to do a disservice to, for example, Casa Ramirez here in Houston in the Heights. They don't call themselves a bookstore, but you can go there for books. That's mm -hmm. one place. Uh, Resistencia, uh, Red Salmon Press in Austin, Texas. Uh, they're not open every single day of the week. I just saw on Instagram that they will be open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So they should be supported there in Austin, Texas. So those are places for our books. Um, and I will say this, if I need to argue sometimes with folks in the corporate publishing world, then I'll say there's only one Latino bookstore just because it fits the argument to further our cause. But mm -hmm. I, I also don't want to separate or again, not support all of our allies. We also have the underground library at the Southwest Workers Union in, in San Antonio. Um, so those are the barriers. Here's the great news and you're part of it. So uh, Congressman Joaquin Castro um, went, went through the uh, funding at the federal level and he's got a grant to the literacy program at the Latino bookstore, which is fantastic. And because of that, here's what's happening. In the book desert, this book <laughs> desert, there's gonna be a flood of books and here's what's gonna happen. Uh, we're gonna bring on uh, in a little bit, we've contracted a Chicana teacher who's teaching there in the community, like you mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. She teaches at Bonham Academy. We're gonna have Araceli Manriquez on in just a few moments. We contracted her to write the lesson plan for Los Monstros, Feliz and the Wailing Woman. So <laughs> we're going to have those. And by the way, if you know anyone at a middle school anywhere and they want those lesson plans for free, we want to get them to you. So we're doing that. Secondly, Diana, you're going to visit? That's so cool. Yeah. You're going to go visit? You're up for that? You want to go visit? Uh, oh, yeah, school? for sure. I'm excited about it. <laughs> I love that. So these students now not only will read a great book about their cultura, they're going to meet a Chicana writer. Additionally, they're going to get a free copy of your book. So through the grant, we're going to make sure that they get free copies of your book for that class. So you'll get to sign them. We want them to have their own family library. ¿verdad? Yeah. We're not done. We're not done. Okay. <laughs> Bonham Academy will get a free classroom set of 25 books for future classes. And the last step, the Latino bookstore is beginning a culture club. So we're going to hand out the culture club coupons at that class. And it's going to say that your teacher has recommended your student for the Latino bookstore culture club. So when the family goes to the Texas author series, they get one more additional book. And, and when we get Araceli on here, uh, she's mentioning that some of our students are ready to go. So we're doing everything we can to make sure that family libraries thrive and that these students have the best possible literary experience in the nation.
taken us 20 years to get here. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on all of this? And I'm glad you're ready to work in San Antonio. Oh, no, th this is exactly the kind of stuff I love, um, you know, and thanks to Joaquin, you know, for, you know, making this possible. Thanks for, you know, to you, thanks to Araceli and everybody that's involved. Um, and the, the, the great thing is this will be my first school visit with this book. So, uh, you know, and that's going to and my reading there at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center will be my first Los Monstros event. So it's like the inaugural event day. <laughs> but it's so important for um, children to own books. You know, it's a, it's exciting to go to the library and check them out. But, you know, if you're like me, every time I check out a book from the library, I, there's always that due date when you have to send it back. <laughs> and you never really feel like it's completely yours. And it's a good option. But having your own book and having, you know, having my one of my favorite office supplies, post-its, you know, so you can just doodle or mark pages or, or go back and reread them and then read it as fast or slow as you want. Um, that's just so important and then carry it with you. And so, you know, one of the things that uh, really, really pleases me is uh, these students will go on and, you know, they'll go to high school and, you know, they'll just move on. They might go to college or get their jobs. And then I just imagine like 10 years or 20 years down the road, they'll say, they'll, they'll see Los Monstros and it'll make them smile and it'll make them, you know, think about a, a, a good reading experience. And hopefully, um, you know, my, my uh, goal in life is to turn people into readers, you know, mm -hmm. and um, if, if any of my books turn people on to readers, then I feel like I'm living a meaningful life. <laughs> Well, then you are, because <laughs> it's <laughs> happening. And I do want to mention some other pivotal figures. And this is a nice segue to the most pivotal figure that we all have, our teachers. We're actually mm -hmm. both all educators. Uh, uh, we're going to then get you to, to Araceli so she can say hi. She wanted to ask you a few questions, too, about making sure her lesson plans were, were perfect. Okay. But I do want to uh, thank a few other people. Christina Bailly is the executive director of the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. And she's always had this dream. We were talking like five or six years ago about a Latino bookstore. And it's wonderful to see it come to fruition because at other dates and other essays and probably in my next book, I do want to break down how difficult it is to keep a bookstore going mm -hmm. just because of all the back office stuff. It's not the talent or the art of the creative side. It's the back office infrastructure. And I really want to commend Christina for maintaining that infrastructure at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. But look at all these parts come together. This is, this is going to be our um, second full year of programming. One of those years overlapped with the hardcore part of the COVID-19 shutdown. But how wonderful to see this happening in a way that will be sustainable. And I do have to say this about uh, Congressman El Congresista Joaquin Castro. Um, he came out to present the check to the Latino bookstore. I had the honor of introducing him, but it turns out he knew he had cancer when he was there. He hasn't said that, but a few days after his visit to the Latino bookstore, when he read to 75 second graders, uh, <laughs> Breckenridge Elementary across the street from the Guadalupe, who loved hearing him read Carmen Tafoya's book, The Last Butterfly, oh, yeah. to them. 
the news came out that he was in the hospital getting surgery for cancer. And it was really touching to me because he didn't bring it up. And when he was reading to the students, he was so engaged and really had them memorized. And I bring that all up because like you were saying, let's not think about this as a corporate transaction. The Latino Family Library that those students are building is exactly the story you're talking about that 10 years when one of them passes the signed version on to one of their cousins yeah. to read, it's the story. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's those second graders that will be, oh yes, I was there when you know uh, Congressman Castro handed me the book, and you know, yes. so it's those stories. And now this is a great way to introduce our next. We're going to bring her on now. Uh, she's a wonderful teacher, and I do want to say I knew her when she was just a student. She <laughs> would join us at the Capitol when we went to demand Mexican American studies before. Yeah. But it was even reasonable. Like, <laughs> we were demanding, and it's wonderful to see all that come to fruition. And now she is a wonderful educator and community leader, Araceli Marquez. Araceli, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's wonderful to see you again, Tony. And it's good to talk to you, Diana. Yes, yeah, <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> yes, I'm honored that I'm working like in your books because we've actually read your books in our math class before. We uh, had a read aloud when Coco came out and you actually signed your book or the book for me at the book festival one year. Oh, and then wow. we read the Selena book. Yeah, too. So it's been awesome to read Feliz and the Wailing Woman. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's all these different histories that, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> that are coming together. And mm -hmm. uh, do me a favor, uh, Adesley, tell us a little bit about the Mexican American Studies courses that you teach at Bonham Academy. For sure. So uh, in Bonham Academy, it's a kinder through eighth. And I started in fifth grade. I always use MAS in my lessons like any way I could, but I, I wanted to start a course. And so I moved on up to, to the middle school and I'm a social studies teacher. And I had a, a class period where they said, okay, you can do anything in this class period as long as it's, you know, you, you have a plan for it. And I was like, heck yeah, I'm going to make a mass class for middle school. So we've started the first uh, mass middle school class in the district. And now we have over, I think, 13 schools in our district that teach mass. I know it's amazing. I started with one little group of 14 kids. And now we have like five sections of mass at, at Bonham. And it's it's a joy and a pleasure. It's such, it's such fun. <laughs> That's incredible. And thank you so much for for taking us up on a request to write the lesson plan for this book. Uh, you want to kind of give us an overview and, and maybe ask Diana some questions that might inform the lesson plan. <laughs> for sure. Well, I love that it's middle school. Like it, this is definitely middle school targeted. I'm already reading it with uh, my first period mass class. So we're already getting our toes wet into the book. And so they're really <laughs> excited to have you come over in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it's been great. Um, I wrote a uh, curriculum for the district before on mass. And so, you know, I just took some of those concepts and then applied it to a lot of the themes you have on here, which I have to say, Diane, I haven't told you yet, but this book has been very healing, even for me myself. I relate a lot to this character. Mm. I was also afraid of some of the stuff she was afraid of. Um, mm. I went through some of the things she went through. So it's like, thank you for putting that out there. I know there are things uh, our students can relate to. And yeah, you know, they've heard of like Llorona and they've heard of all these things. And 
Um, I love just the different elements you put in there that I can put also in, in the lesson plans. Like you mentioned Tejano music, which is so close to my heart. <laughs> I love that. I took a picture of that and like sent it to my friends. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and Emilio and La Mafia. I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Um, so I'm trying to make this curriculum, you know, dual language. Our school is dual language. So that's, you know, okay to have you know, some Spanish or Spanglish or whatever in there. I, I love that. I love that we can read it like that, you know, and, um, and um, I just love the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. This is like a full circle moment for me. It's, it's got a huge place in my heart. I, I used to work with them too. Uh, I was their intern for a couple of years and then I, you know, just kept working with them, volunteering with them. And it's, it's has a special place in my heart. Uh, I've taken my students there. It's great. That's totally yeah, cool. it's a it's actually a full circle for me, too, because, um, you know, back in the day <laughs> when I was living in San Antonio, um, the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center would have uh, writing workshops. Mm -hmm. And one year they brought Pat Mora to, to teach a week long writing workshop. Yeah. And uh, that was such a you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I, you know, I, I was very new and I felt like everybody in the room was just so much smarter and, and more talented than I was, but uh, it was such a, a, a kind of a pivotal moment for me to, to work with her. And, you know, she hadn't started writing children's books yet. She was still very much writing poetry at the time, but um, she had a great spirit and just kind of led us through the class. And, you know, that was made possible by the Guadalupe cultural arts center. And I do remember like going to a lot of their, um, you know, their, their presentations, their plays, their dance presentations, you know, uh, I've done readings there before. And, and so I can't wait to, I can't wait to go back. Yeah. I, I love all that too, because I think what people may not quite understand is that the Latino bookstore can exist at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center because of the rich fabric of community cultural capital, mm -hmm. which, you know, if someone shows up, the, the bookstore hours are, uh, you know, it, it's um, it's through the week. It's from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's open later every second Friday of the month for the Texas Author Series. Someone can come in, take the book, and not know everything you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But it took all that work that we've all mentioned, all those strands, to get that book in the hands of that student and... I love you sharing that here you had this workshop with this legendary Chicana author, um, but you didn't know you had nine books in you at the time. And, that, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and it's beautiful because you do now and you can look back and, and some of these students, they're going to have nine books in them. <laughs> there we go. Yes. <laughs> you got to pay it forward, you know. <laughs> I love it. Araceli, how big a deal is it that Diana's coming to your class. Oh, it's awesome. And they're so, so excited to, to see an author. I know that when I was in middle school, kind of like what you were saying before, the representation just wasn't there. And I didn't really like reading back then because I didn't see authors that, that looked like me or read a lot of books that, you know, uh, related with my experiences. You know, so I think like reading your stories, being there, being gifted the book itself. Cause right now, like I'm reading this, like the pre, you know, version of the book. And I'm like, guys, I'm the only one that has this book. Like you're going to get this book <laughs> like, when it comes out and you're going to get it signed. And like, they're so excited about it. So just to keep, yeah, paying forward and having, you know, starting their little 
Biblioteca of Chicano Books. Um, mm -hmm. Huge. It's great. I love it. And you're showing off the galley. So you got a galley. You're going to get a finished copy too, a hard copy. So your <laughs> library just got, just yeah. got, just got cooler. And <laughs> your school is going to have at least 50 extra books. I mean, this may sound like a silly question, but let, let's put it into concrete terms. Why? Because we are flooding the book desert with books. Mm -hmm. And I want people to understand all the barriers that have to be defied to get the books into the hands of these students, but what an impact it's going to have. So will, will this wave of the flood of books make a difference to your school, Araceli? Oh yeah, I absolutely think so. I mean, that, that collection of books will stay there, whether I'm there, you know, or, or I've moved on to somewhere else or whatever. I want it to stay there. I want the program to keep running. Um, I want, um, you know, mass to spread, um, Oh, you know, throughout my district, but throughout all of San Antonio, you know, you think about it and it's like all the major cities in Texas, like is a huge population is, is, you know, Latino, Chicano, like why don't we have more books that are focused on our experiences that we can relate to that will make kids like enjoy reading and love reading and not just like, oh, it's another class or like something I have to do, but like really love it. So it's huge. Yes. Too cool. Mm -hmm. And other schools, no se pongan celosos. Again, like we said, we, <laughs> we want this to spread. Mm -hmm. This is the first of our campaign. Other schools, please get in touch with us. We're going to have lesson plans, and we've contracted teachers for lesson plans for grammar school. Adeseli is our middle school uh, genius. Uh, Ronald Castro is our um, high school uh, lesson plan author. So please do get in touch with us, and we want to spread this all out. Um, we're going to go off screen now and then we'll come back. But uh, Diana said she'd be kind enough to read an excerpt from the book. Now, let me ask you something. You're going to be reading from Los Monstros, Feliz and the Wailing Woman, for the first time at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe. And you mentioned uh, that'll be your first school visit. Is this your first radio interview for the book also? Yes, it is. <laughs> All this history being made. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy to have the launch, the national launch and the first <laughs> interview with our dear friend. She's going to share an excerpt. Diana Lopez reading from Los Monstros, Felice and the Wailing Woman. Today, the students of Tres Leches Middle School would rather eat dirt than go on a field trip. This field trip, to be exact. They'd rather stay inside and take pop quizzes. They'd rather eat raw broccoli and do 1,153 jumping jacks for PE. Instead, they move slowly, double knotting their shoelaces and topping off their water bottles as Mr. Tercero hurries them along. Andale, he says. They've heard of other schools in other towns with field trips to museums or firehouses or historic sites like the Alamo. They've heard that instead of hiking to the destinations, the students travel by bus. They've even heard, and this one's hard to believe, 
that the field trips often included tour guides who knew everything and then some more. And gift shops, yes, gift shops, where visitors could buy postcards or refrigerator magnets or tiny spoons. But for the pobrecitos of Tres Leches, there were no buses, tour guides, or gift shops. They went to only three places, and they went to these places every year. El Camarón Dance Hall, the Mud Expanse, and La Llorona Park. The park part was always said tongue-in-cheek, and if anyone knew what the opposite of a park was, they would have used that word instead. Come on, let's go, Miss Peters calls out. And so the students start their trek, not bothering to look around or make jokes. They pass the playground and the library and the vacant lot. They march right out of town, crossing the blue bonnet field in a small dark forest, and on the other side of it, a clearing of mostly dead grass. They gulp warm water from their bottles and swat at mosquitoes until finally they arrive at a wooden marker, more like a tombstone, nearly hidden by webs and vines. The students freeze, not daring to go further. The teachers pull out head shears and pruners, and they start cutting away little by little, revealing a sign. Beware the river, for here haunts La Llorona. In life, she was a fool for love. Then she drowned her children out of spite, and now her ghost wants to drown you too. Dang, <laughs> that's, that's the stories we tell ki our kids in Chicago. Yeah, we tell our kids those stories. I know. Like, <laughs> I remember telling somebody uh, about, like, you know, La Llorona and how she drowned her kids, and they're like, "Wait, no, you can't say that. You can't tell kids that." I'm like, "Well, it's not me. We're all telling. <laughs> We're all telling our kids that." <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And um, of course, folks, you get to meet. Diana Lopez in person or get copies of her book when you visit the Latino bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center in San Antonio. And we're so happy then that additionally, thanks to Araceli, we will now have lesson plans for the book that we're looking forward to sharing. And if you've got a school, especially if it's in San Antonio, near the West Side or near the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, we would love to work with you, and we'll be doing this for grammar school, middle school, and high school. And I want to give uh, these wonderful Chicana intellectuals the last word. So, Araceli, any parting words to, to, to just mark this moment in history where you are, again, changing the world, Araceli? Oh, y'all too. Thank y'all for, you know, setting foundations and, you know, letting us uh, help the youth and, and inspire the youth and then just paying it forward. I think it's going to be a huge deal. Um, the little young Chicana in me is, is so inspired and, you know, wish I had all of this when I was younger. So this is going to create such a great ripple effect. So thank you too. Thank you. That's a beautiful way to put it. And uh, mi amiga, mi hermana Diana, <laughs> a couple decades later, here we are. Yeah. Do what we do. <laughs> but it's accelerating. Uh, any parting words, Diana? You know, it, it takes a community of people. And uh, sometimes uh, we get a little, we get a little, you know, caught up in our own worlds, our own lives and our own problems and stuff. But uh, 
I think what programs like this show is when we get together, uh, we can we can move mountains. And so I, I just want to thank you for letting me be one of the pushers uh, of against that mountain <laughs> that needs to be moved. <laughs> No, that, that's beautiful. I appreciate that. And on that note, I do want to thank our team as Nuestra Palabra celebrates its 25th anniversary. We'll be adding more and more events. And uh, I want to give a thanks to our producers for today, Roxana Guzman, who produces our multi-platform broadcasts, Rodrigo Bravo, who is our audio engineer, and also Liana Lopez, who's our coordinator all the co-founders of Libertad Ficante Movement. And of course, if you are listening on radio on 90.1 FM, KPFT, Houston's Community Station, do want to remind you that all of you have been doing your part by pitching in, either by volunteering or donating it to KPFT in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Have to Say. And want to remind you, we're asking you again, if you can, please do donate to make sure that the station continues because that is one way that we want to reach our gente. I do have to remind you, yes, we are on social media. We're on all the different platforms. There is still a lot of our community that relies on free radio and we want to catch them any way possible. And if that means that we're catching them during rush hour on the highway in Houston, Texas, fourth largest in America, We've done our job. Help us to continue to do that work. Hey, this is Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. Happy to join you and looking forward to celebrating our cultura with some of these cool folks. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Adios.